What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of SB Nation's The Dream Shakes, The Dream Take Podcast. My name is Mike Brown, coming to you live after another unfortunate loss, but I think that there's a lot of positive things to come from tonight's game. We have got a ton to break down after the 124 to 121 loss to the Phoenix Suns. The Rockets dropped to uh, 15 and 41. The Phoenix Suns improved to 47 and 10. Uh, first of all, shout out to the Phoenix Suns because they are one hell of a team. Uh, even with Chris Paul getting ejected tonight and only playing 19 points, Devin, Brook- Devin Booker is an absolute badass. 24 points. DeAndre Ayton had 23 points. Mikel Bridges had 17 points. Uh, Torrey Craig had nine points. Uh, John Cam Johnson had 14 points. JaVale McGee had nine points. Aaron Holiday had nine points. They've just got a ton of dudes on that team that can play the game at a very, very high level. Uh, so getting to the Rockets box score breakdown, Jay Sean Tate, 28 minutes, one of his better games he's had in a while. Uh, seven of nine from the field. He had 10 rebounds. He had an assist. It was a plus nine when he was on the court tonight. Alperin Shingoon, in the words of John McClain and Die Hard, welcome to the party, pal. Alperin Shingoon, 19 points, 14 rebounds, a plus 11. And I have got some uh, crow to eat, if you will, on Dennis Schroeder. He did not look good the other night. Uh, in his first game that he played, he looked like a completely different player tonight. 23 points. He did have six turnovers, but he had nine assists. He had six rebounds. He was seven of eight from the free throw line. An efficient seven of 16 from the floor. Great performance from Dennis Schroeder. You can see why the Rockets wanted to bring him into the fold. Uh, so, I, I'm listen, If I'm a guy that if, if I'm wrong, most of the time I'll come on this show and admit it. Uh, I tried to 100% of the time, uh, but great game from Dennis Schroeder tonight. Eric Gordon, <laughs> 38 minutes, 8 of 24 from the field. He did have 20 points, um, but the whole game, he just, like, he hit some big shots down the, the stretch, but, man, like, and, and y'all in the chat, we, we've got a bunch of stuff to talk about in the chat. If you want to come up on stage, hit that request to speak button. I'd love to bring you up, uh, talk all things uh, Houston Rockets. I'm taking any and all calls. Josh Christopher played 11 minutes tonight. 
Like, is Josh Christopher in the the doghouse for some reason with Steven Silas? I mean, I, I don't get him only playing 11 minutes tonight and Eric Gordon playing 38 minutes. Uh, I mean, I get Dennis Schroeder playing 39 minutes. I mean, he's your de facto point guard. Without Christian Wood, without uh, KPJ playing tonight, I get the 39 minutes for Schroeder. But outside of those guys, and, you know, David Nawaba kicked in with 16 minutes. You know, he gets those 16 minutes because you're just running low on bodies. The, the Eric Gordon playing 38 minutes versus Josh Christopher only playing 11 minutes doesn't really jive with me. I don't really get that. Uh, so something to, to talk about the rest of the show. Jalen Green, 35 minutes, 5 of 12 from the field, 3 of 7 from the three-point line. Uh, he had, did have five fouls, but he was a plus 11 uh, in 35 minutes. So Sean points out Jacob was acting as the backup point guard and wasn't handling that role well. He, he said it himself when they acquired Dennis Schroeder. He's not a point guard. Like they, the Rockets have to stop trying to make guys something that they're not. Josh Christopher is not a point guard. He should not be handling the ball as a point guard. He's a shooting guard. He is a guy to say, okay, here you go. Here's the ball. Go get a bucket. A la Lou Williams. Um, KJ Martin Jr., another impressive night uh, in spots for him. Uh, five of 10 from the field. He did have six rebounds, 11 points. David Nawaba, 16 minutes, only had one point. Garrison Matthews only had six points. The bench was god-awful tonight as a whole between Martin, Nawaba, Matthews, and Christopher. They were a combined, let's see, 26, 40, minus 47 in their minutes on the court. Usman Garuba, uh, Bruno Fernando did not play tonight. Uh, The Rockets had a terrible third quarter turning over. Uh, the ball eight times per Matt Thomas on the radio. Uh, so tough night for them. Uh, but they only got outscored by two points in the third quarter. So overall, really, really fun, entertaining game by the Rockets. They played their hearts out. I'm not one to come onto this show and just bitch and moan for the sake of bitching and moaning. Why did they hang on to Eric Gordon at the deadline is beyond me. I get wanting to have that veteran presence on the team going into next season, but you can, you have David Nawaba. Like, I don't know how many of those guys you really need. And you saw it tonight. I'll give you a hot take. This team is better without Christian Wood. And I know it's one game. I get that. I understand that it's unfair to say that about one game, but it's really not about one game. If you think about the latest, I would say seven to 10 games that he's played in the Rockets just look like a different team when he's on the floor versus when he's not on the floor. You got a glimpse tonight of what the future of this team is in the front court. And that's Alper and Shingun. And the thing about Shingun is above all else, we all know what the talent can look like for a guy like Shingun. I've been a tad critical of Shingun just because I think he's going through rookie stretches that are tough. You know, he's going up, you know, he went up against tonight JaVel McGee and 
DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton had 23 points. He had nine rebounds. I don't think Shangun was overwhelmed at any point tonight, though. I think he held his own against one of the better big men in the league. And I got to tell you, man, that Shane, I'll get to you in just a second. I just want to finish this off before I lose it. Tonight is one of those nights that you look at and you say to yourself, as a, and you guys know how critical I have been about this team and the way that they've lost some of these games has just been downright unacceptable. But tonight, I'm okay with losing the way they lost because you developed your young guys for the most part. Uh, you got good work done on both ends of the court, and you went toe-to-toe with, in my opinion, the best team in the league. Shane, welcome to the show, my man. How are you? Hey, what's up, man? Um, I, I felt like um, tonight you actually saw what a rebuild should look like a bit more once you didn't have Kevin Porter Jr. and Christian Wood there. Like, it, it just seemed like a bit... Because I think, like, Houston has been trying to juggle multiple priorities this season and it hasn't really looked like a proper rebuild at times. Like, the way, um, you know, like, for example, Jalen Green was getting, like, fifth in touches for Houston, um, the Houston team, and then ninth in touches for rookies um, before this game. But then, like, today it felt like a bit more like, okay, we're actually playing through Jalen Green and um, Schengen like the way you would normally for a rebuild without Christian Wood and Kevin Porter Jr. there. Right. Well, I think tonight, I think you make a good point. I think one of my biggest takeaways from tonight would be that I think you saw enough from the young guys that I really would have liked to have seen Josh Christopher get more minutes on a night like tonight because a lot of, you know, Dennis Schroeder, look, am I the biggest Schroeder fan? No, I'm not because I think he has a ceiling, but I think he plays really well when he's made as focal of a point of an offense as he was tonight. Does that make sense? Like tonight, you know, he got 16 field goal attempts. He's not going to get that on a lot of teams. He's not going to get that in Boston. Now, he still scored 15 points a game, but he's average, he was averaging less than 10 field goal attempts in Boston. Now, yeah. do I, would I like to see him with a second unit of this team? Yeah, I would. Now, if you ask me my preference, you know, I'd rather pick up a point guard project in the draft next year to lead the second unit over a guy like Schroeder. But tonight, I saw what the Rockets were seeing in him as a yeah. player. Now, everyone knows they acquired him as a player because they wanted to get off of that contract they gave Tice, and the Rockets did that by taking on expiring contracts. Would I like to see Schroeder back next year? The verdict is out. I wouldn't mind him on a cheap deal, but I think he's going to get paid next year. I think he's going to get a decent contract. Yeah. I mean, like, what would your max salary be per year for someone like Schroeder? I said it the other night. Uh, I forgot. I think Adam asked me this. Me personally, I mean, this year he's on a one-year, $5.5 million contract from Boston. I think he's shown enough between averaging 15 points per game in Boston and what I think he's going to be able to show this year. I think he's going to get somewhere between, like, three, two to four. I'd say two or three years between, like, 27 and $30 million. 
Yeah. You know, I think if it's a two year deal, I think it's closer to like 17 to 20. I think if it's three years, I think it's between 27 and 30 would be my number for Schroeder. He's a nice player. He just doesn't fit the long-term aspect of this team. The elephant in the room is why Eric Gordon was playing 38 minutes tonight. There's no point. There's no purpose. But that's what I'm saying. The priorities are confused because you have like Schroeder and Gordon there. So then like, it's kind of like, okay, yeah, we want to develop rookies, but then we want to make sure Gordon and Schroeder are happy because like they want to win the game. So we've got to give them all these minutes. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's the way our team is right now. It's like, it's not really like geared towards just like a rebuild. It's kind of geared towards like we want to try and win the, the game and also rebuild, you know? Yeah. And, and that's the thing, man. I mean, they're, look, they're 15 and 41. They're out of the playoffs. They're one of the worst teams in the league. It should be about youth, youth, youth. Why not play Brune? Now, tonight's not a great example because, Shane, they were going for the win tonight. And I like yeah. the fact that they're going for the win because they're trying to build positive habits moving forward, and they've got to find a way to win some of these games. Having Eric Gordon on the court helped your chances at winning tonight. But, I, you know, play him 30 minutes and give eight of those minutes to Christopher. You know, yeah. it's like the last two games since Schroeder has gotten here. Josh Christopher is the odd man out. I wouldn't mind Eric Gordon being the odd man out, you know, because Shingun got, I mean, 28 minutes tonight. That's awesome. I mean, he only had four fouls tonight, but going up against DeAndre Ayton and him only having four fouls is a positive step forward for him. The way he played tonight is a positive step forward for him. Jay Sean Tate was great tonight. He had a horrible turnover in the fourth quarter uh, where the ball went right off of his hands. Uh, but besides that, I mean, Jay Sean Tate was damn near perfect tonight. So that's where I'm at. Is I'm ex- I love the way they play tonight. Now they've got to go play, you know, the Clippers tomorrow. That's going to be a really tough game. I wouldn't mind tomorrow night if, if Wood's not going to play. Tell Eric Gordon, just sit your fat butt down on the bench. You know, like, sorry. You know, that's where I'm at with it. Yeah, is it is is it because, like, the minutes are being taken away for Christopher, you feel that way? Or is it actually because you feel like Gordon is just, like, not playing well enough to be getting... What, what benefit? No, I mean, I mean, Eric Gordon is playing fine. Like, there's nothing wrong. I mean, on the season, he's averaging 14 points uh, per game, a couple of rebounds, a couple of assists. Like, he's playing fine. But for the people out there that want to yell and scream about his veteran presence on the court, well, you had Schroeder tonight on the floor. Like, how many of those guys do you need? You know? Like, at this point, he's – and I've called Christian Wood this guy, but I think this might be a better comparison for Eric Gordon. He's Kevin Martin. You know, remember back in the day when the Rockets were just – mediocre as hell and Kevin Martin would score like 17 to 24 points a night we'd be like okay well we're losing games but we have Kevin Martin I mean with he has probably the ugliest jump shot I've ever seen in my entire life but besides (laughs) that you know like he's scoring points but they don't mean anything yeah he had that really quick release right like I remember when when I used to play (coughs) uh, Kevin Martin in 2k it's like he does like put it up for a second, like, you can't even, like, hold at all. Like, he had, like, a 
super quick release. But um, I was actually going to say, I mean, like, do you feel like now when you look at it, it's a, like, when you see one game without Christian Wood, do you think it's like an indictment on the front <sighs> office that we didn't trade Christian Wood? Because it's just, it's hard not to see how much better the defense just looks in general when you don't have someone like Christian Wood in there trying to protect the paint when he really isn't putting well, in they, that effort to protect the paint, right? Well, they still gave up. They still gave up 124 points, so it's not like the defense was incredible tonight. Yeah, they gave up way too many layups. The bottom line is Shengun is not a rim protector either. You know, he's more of a rim protector than uh, than Wood is, but so am I. You know, like. <laughs> And I'm 5'10", you know, I mean, I'm, I'm kidding, of course, but I'm just like, yeah. you get the point. The Christian Wood is not a rim protector and neither is Shengun. The thing about, and here's, here's the scary part, right? And as we get closer to the end of the season, I do want to start talking more and more about the draft um, because it's important to note that a guy like Chet Holmgren, in my estimation, doesn't solve this team's problem either. The fact is they've got to find a rim protector somewhere. Like somebody that can be that defensive anchor. That's not Alperin Shengun. Alperin Shengun is just a more selfless version of Christian Wood, where he's most effective if, yeah, he backs his guy down from time to time successfully. He doesn't do it often enough, in my opinion. So if he does it more, I feel like he's a better player. But he likes taking the ball at the top of the key. He had a beautiful move tonight where it was like Dirk Nowitzki esque. I don't know if you're if you know what I'm making reference yeah. to. Like he had a yeah, nice spin move with a jump. Yeah, like that's his yeah. game. The fin- like Dirk Nowitzki was not a rim protector. You know, I'm not calling Shangun Dirk, but you can see similarities in their game. Pal Gasol, right? And no, and, and I hate when guys do this. I'm not just comparing. Alper and Shingun to both of those dudes because all three of them are white, you know, but like his game is reflective off of those types of guys, you know, yeah. um, like the, he's finesse, you know, like, you know what the Rockets could use honestly is a Sergi Baca. That's what I would love to see this team get in the draft. Like a guy like him, you know, a, I'm trying to think of another example. Uh, the Miles Turner, but then I think that's like a dream more than a reality. But, yeah, yeah. I don't, I, you're not going to get Turner. I'm just trying to think of a Nerlens Noel, if you will, a Mo Bamba. You know, I know we. The problem with that kind of guy, though, is like it's not going to work with the floor spacing if we are trying to keep Christian Wood, you know? Like it just becomes like weird. Like, uh, like also with Jay Sean Tate, it's actually because of Jay Sean Tate's. Three pointer that like having a center that doesn't shoot the threes almost doesn't work at all. Like, well, he's out of position. Know. Jay Sean Tate is not a power forward. That's Jay. That's the that's the biggest problem with Jay Sean Tate is they're trying to make him something again that he's not. You know, like he's a small forward to me. You know, he's got the perfect size. He's that guy that you want on the court defending. And I, I say defending Shane, like just stay with me here. Like if you're playing Brooklyn, you want a guy like Jay Shante trying to stay with a Kevin Durant, you know, 
Like you yeah. don't want him covering Claxton for the Nets. You don't want Jay Sean Tate having to cover a JaVel McGee or a Nikola Jokic. That's not his game. That's not where he's best suited. So I just feel like like the more I see Jason Tate, like I like Jason Tate, but then um I just feel like his three pointer needs to even just go up a couple of percent because it's just like it's too much of a liability. Like you literally need four shooters on the court with him and if you don't have that basically the floor spacing is just pretty bad, like, you know, so like that's that's my only worry with him. Like no matter what position you play him in, ultimately you need like four floor spaces around him. I mean, it's fair. It's it's totally fair. My thing is the draft is going to date. Where are you picking the draft is going to – let me see how I want to say this. I think this year's draft pick, wherever it ends up in the first round, could potentially be more – not potentially. I'll go out and say it. I think this is a more important draft than last draft because you've got to get a guy – that can help you this roster the way it is right now, the way it's constructed is not good enough to continually win games. If you can get the draft pick right in the first round, he can be that missing piece to where you could win a game tonight. Does that mean, do you understand? Like, does that make sense? What I'm trying to say, like if you got a Jabari Smith from Auburn, right? Yeah. And you don't play a guy like an Eric Gordon. And all of a sudden down the stretch, you're playing, you know, let's just use, let's, okay, let's use tonight as an example, right? Take Gordon off the team. You put out there Dennis Schroeder, Jalen Green, Jay Sean Tate, Alperen Shangun, and Jabari Smith. That lineup to me is good enough to win the game with what they played like down the stretch. Right. You know what I mean? Like, does, yeah. Just check. Are you saying the defense was basically hopeless without having that rim protector next to Shingon? Yeah, and and Lucas says in the chat, Chet would be perfect for the Rockets. I don't see it because I think Chet is just a better version of Shingun. I don't know if I don't he's know. Be, if, he's meant to be a defender, though, right? Like that's kind of like what they say. He's meant to be a good defender. I think he's meant to be a good defender because of his size, like. And I'm not talking about when I say size, it's not his muscle. I think it's his height. Like he's seven. How big is he? He's seven foot, 195 pounds, right? Yeah. This year he's averaging 14 and a half points, 9.3 rebounds, two assists, three and a half blocks. Okay. The blocks are impressive, but he's also on one of probably the three best teams in the country. In Gonzaga, I mean, Duke's up there, obviously. Auburn's up there. So he's playing on a great team. The thing that scares me about Chet is, while I think his ceiling is high, he could also be Sean Bradley, which is a really scary thought. You know, Does he like remind he, you of Mobley at all? No, not like, at all. No. I think, I think Mobley I think Mobley's going to be a better NBA player long term than, than Chet Holmgren will be. I think the best player coming out of the draft is going to be either uh, Jaden Ivey, the the point guard uh, from Vanderbilt. The Vanderbilt kid, is that who I'm thinking of? Uh, give me a second. Uh, uh, yeah, Jaden yeah, Jay, Jay Ivey from Purdue. Sorry. 
Jaden yeah. Ivey from Purdue. He's six four. He's a guard from Purdue. And the thing is, the reason why I say that is because the the league right now, while the big men are starting to play better overall in the league, it's still a guard driven league. Like look at the top of the draft. You've got Ivy. You've got the AJ Griffin kid who's six eight from Duke. I like AJ Griffin. You got Banchero who's six ten. Uh, you've got Jabari Smith who's six ten, and then you've got Holmgren. So I think my two, my top two, if I could pick guys, if I was just starting a team in this draft, I would either draft Jabari Smith or I would draft Jaden Ivey. Like those are my two guys. And then obviously Jaden Ivey doesn't make a lot of sense for the Rockets because you have Jalen Green already. But I'll put this in your ear, Shane. If they could, if they would have taken Mobley last year, and then you could have gotten Jaden Ivey this year. See that get that would get me excited, but tonight gets me excited. Like tonight was a fun, exciting game for the first time in what feels like forever for the Rockets. Yeah, for real. I. Man, I just can't help but think that, like, if we didn't prioritize Kevin Porter Jr. over everyone else, kind of in this player development, and like, let's say he was a sixth man and just let him go do his thing, score, score buckets. He doesn't have to worry about assisting. He can just be himself. And then we just started with, um, Shingun and Green earlier from this season. Like, I really feel like they would be in a, much further along in their development right now than even where they are right now. Well, I listen, I'll give you and Sean brings up Sean's killing it in the chat tonight, so shout out to you, Sean. I'll give you a scenario. Shane, you ready for this? Okay. I think the Rockets are gonna hold on to Kevin Porter Jr., right? What if the yeah, Rockets what if the Rockets end up with the fourth pick, right? Let's just, let me build you this scenario. Let's say the Rockets end up with the fourth pick in the lottery, right? Let's say they win more games than they should, and they end up with the fourth pick in the lottery. And Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, Paolo Banchero are all off the board. What if you drafted Jaden Ivey, and your starting backcourt next year is Jaden Ivey and Jalen Green, and your first two guards off the bench were Kevin Porter Jr. and Josh Christopher. Well, that sounds really good. You know, like, I don't think it happens because I think if you hold on to Kevin Porter Jr., he's shown enough that you're going to have to start him. But maybe you play around with it, right? What if you start KPJ, Jalen Green, and Jaden Ivey, and you send Jay Sean Tate to the bench? And all of a sudden, you got a Swiss Army knife coming off the bench and Jay Sean Tate and Josh Christopher. You find a power forward in Shangoon's your starting five and you trade Christian Wood and you get rid of Gordon. Like, that's that's the the creativity that I'm talking about. Lucas says he wants A.J. Griffin. I like A.J. Griffin. I'm just throwing out some scenarios here, right, with – this is why banking on the draft is such a crapshoot in the NBA. It's not like the NFL, right? Like it's not a, I don't know how big of an NFL fan you are, Shane, but 
Uh, yeah, not really. I, I mean, I watch the Super Bowl. That's about it. Okay. But, like, the NFL draft is a lot different than the NBA draft because you have seven rounds versus two. You know, you have your blue-chip prospects, which are mostly, you know, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, and quarterbacks. The NBA is a little bit different because the NBA, if you're the Rockets, and, like, my, my co-pilot Jeremy Brenner said numerous times before, the Rockets are in a point now where you just draft the best talent available. Could you figure out a way if you drafted a Jaden Ivey to fit him on this roster? Maybe, potentially, you know. And I, don't, you, I don't know. I mean, if Kevin Porter Jr. is going to continue to be the point guard, I don't know if that's the best use of this draft because sure. I think that just confuses Kevin Porter Jr. even more, you know, because he's already struggled, struggled as is to really give Jalen Green those touches anyways. So how much more would it be a struggle for him to try and balance it between Ivy and Jalen Green, you know what I mean? Like, sure. No, that's a bit, that's a, you know, that's a good point. And we haven't talked about Jalen Duran from Memphis, uh, who's another interesting prospect. Like Jalen Duran to me, the center out of Memphis is, you know, he's six foot 10. He's exactly what you need. He, he's a prototypical big man. I wonder how many of the problems get solved with this team if you just have a beast of a big man to defend the rim. Like the defensive anchor, which you do not have right now. You can't sell me on Shangoon, and it's sure as hell it's not uh, Christian Wood. So that's why, you know, you you look at, you know, that sort of scenario. Sean says if it's between Chet and Ivy because Jabari is gone, you get Jaden Ivy. Uh, almost says, can we all agree that Wood is overrated and KPJ needs to be the sixth man? I don't agree That's with what that. I've been saying. <laughs> I, listen, well, the thing to me though is, let me ask you this, right? Are you yeah. losing games because of KPJ at the point guard spot? Like solely losing games because he's your point guard? Um, I mean, he's been doing a lot better than he was before. I'll say that. But then I do think compared to the rest of the league, obviously he's one of the worst point guards, right, in the league, if we had to be honest, like compared um, to the rest of the league, right? Like you're talking about starting point guard. If you're thinking about just starting point guards, like you think about the talent that there is in the league. Well, there's a lot of talent. There's no doubt, right? You talk about LaMelo Ball. You got Trey Young. Uh, whoever the Heat starting point guard is. Uh, oh, Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry. Um, I get it. Listen, I, I totally get it. The Rockets should be looking to upgrade the roster wherever they can best see fit, right? Yeah. If KPJ is your point guard moving forward, which the verdict is out, the I guess my biggest issue with acquiring a guy like Schroeder is Schroeder is going to, and not to flip-flop, but we're going to wrap up here in a few because I've got work in the morning. Um, <laughs> the thing about it is allocating resources to a guy in Schroeder where do you acquire him to keep him next year and beyond? Because if you do, then playing him and getting him used to playing with Jalen Green and Shingoon makes a lot of sense. If you're playing him in lieu of a guy like a Josh Christopher, it really doesn't make all that much sense. I'm fascinated to see what happens when, you know, KPJ is healthy, what that minute allocation looks like between KPJ and Dennis Schroeder. 
So yeah. with that note, do you have any final thoughts, Shane? Um, yeah, I think, I think what is it? Um, it's becoming more clear, clear to me that like, as much as I really wanted it to work with Christian Wood, you just need such a specific player within like a defender, defending rim protector kind of guy that can still space the floor for it to really work. And it's just, he's just got those deficiencies that like when we're actually trying to win that it doesn't seem to make sense so that's kind of like where I've kind of fallen I guess from like today's game that's fair my man we'll see you next time brother all right see you bro this has been another episode of SB Nation's the Dream Shakes the Dream Take podcast my name is Mike Brown Uh, once again wrapping up another episode of SB Nation's the Dream Shakes the Dream Take 124-121, 124-121, Rockets lose to the Phoenix Suns. Uh, tomorrow, we will be back here live uh, on Spotify Green Room with Jeremy Brenner and potentially myself, to be determined. Uh, make sure, if you're on Twitter, to follow the Dream Take at the Dream Take. You can follow the Dream Shake, the mothership of the Dream Take, at Dream Shake SBN. You can follow my co-pilot, Mr. Jeremy Brenner, at Jeremy Brenner, J-E-R-E-M-Y-B-R-E-N-E-R. You can follow me at BSW Podcast underscore MB. Head on over to thedreamshake.com for all things Houston Rockets all the time. Once again, we have a show tomorrow night here on Spotify Green Room. We then hit the all-star break. We will, Jeremy and I will be here live together on Tuesday night. So we have a show Thursday. We have a show Tuesday. Uh, We will talk to all of y'all tomorrow night. And until next time, Rockets fans, go Rockets! Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Axe miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.